Good morning, everyone. This is DKM Market Analysis. Myself, David Shonis, and my co-host, Kyle Lynch and Masoom Jane. Hey, everyone. I'm Kyle. Glad to be here today. Good morning, everyone. This is Masoom. So we had a, a pretty interesting turnaround in the markets last week. I know our last podcast two weeks ago, it was all the talk around stimulus package and also how all the equities were in the red. But this past week, we were in a total recovery mode, it looked like, with the Dow Jones up more than 4%, S&P up a little over 2.6%, the NASDAQ up a little bit over 3%, and the Russell 2000 up over 7%. So we saw all sectors finishing higher. We saw treasuries were actually weaker for the week um, as the curve steepened notably. And we also saw gold finished up about 1.3%. Oil was slightly weaker, though. And so there was a little, little, there was a lot of different industries that were actually outperforming, and some of them actually underperformed. Um, the underperformers were the communication, energy, healthcare, tech, and consumer surplus. And then your outperformers were the REITs, consumer discretionary, utilities, materials, industries, and financials. Now, in that consumer discretionary, we saw Amazon, they were up over 3% for the week. And I think that's going to, I think we're going to see a lot of that from these consumer discretionary companies, given that we see a lot of more. Uh, travel restrictions coming off. We see a lot more people going out and we see a lot more people going back to offices where they could be using these companies to buy items and things like that. The other thing I saw was the materials. We saw a lot of really big strength in agrochemical and steel names. And we also saw in the industries was led by airlines. So going back to the whole travel restrictions and COVID layoff stuff, the airlines I think are going to be really one of the big winners as we see the next couple months we saw texas open up 100 percent. we saw florida they've been open obviously for a little while but we're seeing every state kind of ease restrictions so the airline stocks that were plummeting last year one year ago from now or from from before we're going to see them recover and i think that there's a lot of different variables in that i know we obviously have the stimulus checks the 1400 per person that Biden just signed uh, actually a day earlier than expected earlier this past week for 1.9 trillion. And um, and then we have the March FOMC meeting coming up between March 16th and 17th of this week with the uh, Federal Reserve. And there's no expectations for a, a rate hike or anything like that. Um, so we're probably gonna look at interest rates close to zero for a little bit longer. Um, but overall, you know, it was a really good week in the markets. And um, we do have some more vaccine news. So Kyle, do you want to do you want to share a little bit about uh, the Johnson and Johnson, what you're hearing? Yeah, definitely. So there's one article in particular I wanted to start off with. So this ties in with the Hawaii Department of Health Association. They recently discovered that there are three individuals in the area that tested positive for the vaccine or tested positive for the virus after getting a full dose of the vaccine. So now this raises the question as if do you think that the vaccines are really trustworthy and the answer is yes they are trustworthy that they are going to work on a huge percentage of the people but they're not going to work on for everybody um i just thought this was a really interesting development that sprung up in the news only a couple of days ago and um i guess uh before we jump into the j and j discussion, do you guys have like any initial reactions to like just hearing about people testing positive even after getting the vaccine? I haven't heard anything like that. No, I, I know that there is, um, it wasn't tested on every group, I guess you could say with like people with medical conditions and also younger kids. But I, I've heard people getting it after dose one, they've actually gotten sick. But when dose two hits, I haven't really known anybody 
personally. I just know that the symptoms after dose two are a little more stronger than dose one. But Masoom, have you have you heard anybody, um, you know, getting the sickness after the vaccine at all? Not really. I mean, uh, I, I think the only kind of symptoms I've been hearing from people is, you know, they get sore. I, I guess it's because of the shot. Um, and, you know, uh, I've heard one from one of my friends that they recently got and it, it's kind of like intravenous. Like it goes deep into the skin, the deepest layer into the skin to be like it's most effective that way, um, which is really kind of interesting to see because, you know, normal virus shots are just like just on the tip of the skin rather than all the way inside. So um, that's, kind of, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really cool. Yeah, I thought I thought it was just kind of like an interesting thing to see in the news. I mean, um, with the vaccines coming out and all, just kind of seeing people that are testing positive, even with the vaccine is kind of just an important, I think, thing to consider. Um, but going back to the J&J thing, I saw on March 11th that their organization put out a statement talking about how the European Commission granted a conditional marketing authorization for their single dose COVID vaccine. Um, and that was developed by the Janssen sector of the pharmaceutical part of J&J. Um, and it's also important to note that the vaccine for J&J is going to be used for individuals of the age 18 or older. So that brings up another topic of discussion is how are they gonna prevent COVID in individuals under the age of 18? So there's still more news to talk about there, but that's kind of the main thing with the J&J part that I saw. Yeah, and what, what are your opinions, both of you, based off of, you know, with COVID and the kind of our recovery in the mid and long term, do you think the markets are going to, because I mean, we've been, we've been seeing them roar back over the past week or so. Do you think we're going to see a stronger stock market by the end of this calendar year 2021, or do you still think we're going to have lagging effects from COVID um, that could lead into possibly 2022 with some sectors? I think it's going to take a while. I mean, um, personally, not, I mean, some sectors are going to be better off right now, but there's other sectors that, uh, that might not have like the same recovery as, you know, as different ones. And it's just because of the, uh, the timeline and the, the, some are going to take a longer to recover because of what they lost, you know, like airlines, airline industry has, has, uh, plummeted. And I think it's going to take them, um, a while to get back. Uh, whereas the tech sector has been doing really well and they've already kind of gotten back up. Um, so I do see that, you know, there's potential for, uh, for more growth. Um, whereas, you know, uh, airline industries and consumer, other consumer discretionary industries where, um, where people are just, you know, starting to go out, you know, it's been almost a year since, uh, since, you know, COVID hit. And I think, uh, people are getting, getting that confidence back, uh, with the vaccine out and um, it's going to start rebounding back up. How about you, Kyle? Yeah, similar to what Masum was saying, I think it will definitely take a period of time. We, uh, we have a lot of resilient sectors in the market and I think, um, you know, this whole pa pandemic has taken over a year's worth of time to try and figure out a vaccine that can kind of bring our world back into a better state. So, um, trying to be optimistic that the sectors like consumer discretionary and airlines for that matter and everything else, uh, just keeping a positive outlook. But I think it will definitely take a lot of time. Who knows if it'll be back to normal by the end of 2021 or not, but I think it will, um, it will definitely happen slowly and steadily for sure over the next year, in my opinion. Yeah. And um, I'm just taking a look at some of the stocks that were notable gainers for last week. And we saw Boeing was up about 7%. And uh, it was because CNBC actually reported that 
Um, the company received an order for over two dozen of their 737 MAX airplanes from uh, investment firm 777 Partners. And the order actually may include an option for up to 60 additional planes. So we definitely see like, obviously the, um, we're only in March and these industries that were lagging last year, a year ago that we, that I mentioned airlines is maybe one of the bigger ones. Boeing, I mean, there were a lot of speculation over the years with their planes, are they safe, things like that. But the fact that now travel demand is kind of ramping up, we're seeing stocks like Boeing benefit. Um, I'm not sure about the other airline stocks per se. I know that there were a few of them that were like really bad last year. And I know some of them were rebounding, but I know Spirit, they're up above $50 now. Um, as I said, Boeing's around 270 right now. And, you know, we see some of their other competitors. I mean, American Airlines is up over $20. So we, we are seeing the airline stocks uh, increase a little bit. But I'm, I'm really curious to kind of see where they go in the long term. I think one of the biggest talks, uh, at least that I saw during the week, was uh, the inflation talks and how they're now kind of in focus based off the stimulus boost. And I was reading here that uh, fiscal stimulus um, is actually expected to bring uh, the fastest GDP growth since 1983. So there's a lot of different stuff here that could go into inflation. I know that there's, um, there's a big CPI uh, performance measure indicator coming out this week. For the U.S., they can kind of give some more color into, um, you know, uh, consumer products and things like that. So what are both of your opinions based on? I know we spoke about inflation uh, two weeks ago, but um, are there is there anything you think that the Fed might say in their FOMC meeting coming up this week that could um, kind of bring some more clarity into the potential inflation that we might face? Yeah, I can put uh, in and say, uh, I, I think. Um, the Fed's going to, you know, just uh, keep keep the uh, interest rates low because they know that, you know, um, they they want to have the the um, desired inflation of two percent. So um, uh, because of that, they have they're gonna have to do something about the uh, interest rates, and uh, that's what I personally think. But um, what about you, Kyle? Yeah, I definitely think they want to keep a low interest rate for sure if they're expecting to see an increase in, in uh, inflation. And I know that one of the articles I was reading um, kind of uh, differs from the inflation discussion. But I know in terms of payment that um, for 90% of the families, at least according to the, the Penn Warren budget model, um, a lot of the families are going to see a significant increase in their amount of money coming into their pockets. So we'll see an additional 1400 per dependent. And then per couple, that could be up to 5,600 um, uh, per, per person or for per couple. So, I mean, we're just going to be seeing a lot of money come into pocket. I have an interesting uh, phenomenon for you guys. Do you think there's a correlation between, uh, you know, within the past year, we've seen all these, uh, all the retail traders, you know, um, uh, like an increase in retail traders. And, you know, do you think there's a correlation between that and, you know, um, sports betting because they are kind of uh, intuitively the same. So it just, um, I mean, statistically, you know, I haven't kind of uh, gotten the correlation yet, but, you know, I, I think, I feel like there's a similarity between that. Yeah, I think it's definitely a good point to bring up. I also think that um, given that the sports are now back, I mean, that's a growing business. Um, that's a really growing business, actually, with DraftKings, MGM. Uh, resorts. I know FanDuel's private, but 
Yeah, I think given that the, we're back on track, at least it seems like we're back on track with calendar sports years not really having any interruption. I think that there's obviously a lot more money into it, and there still is a financial effect based off last year. A lot of um, sports are still trying to like recover and things like that, but once they get all the fans in and everything, everything's going to go back to normal at some point. So, you know, I, I do think there's a correlation. Statistically, though, speaking, I haven't really read anything that there is, and I haven't really read many analysts discuss it, but as from like a standpoint of myself, just looking at it from a broad view, I definitely think that there's um, a correlation. And I know we're going to get into DraftKings in a little bit, but um, yeah, I definitely think it, it's something to kind of take a look at. It, definitely a, uh, an interesting and intriguing industry to invest in if you're interested. But um, were there any specific stocks um, assumed that you were looking at in that industry or anything you, you heard or no? Well, um, I, I was just like in the gaming industry and also fintech industries, you know, all these uh, casinos, you know, um, they're, I feel like the retail traders are kind of uh, acting the same way uh, where normal bettors um, on, you know, um, in casinos, even like, uh, I'm not talking just about like physical casinos, but also like online ones. Um, they're, I think they have like the same kind of, um, phenomenon where they're just trying to bet and like you know they're trying to go in um going low i mean and get out high mm-hmm. which is uh which is an interesting interesting psychological um, yeah thing to see yeah yeah i mean i know we mentioned in our last podcast the etf buzz i believe we mentioned that was the etf that dave portnoy was um endorsing or he I think came up with or something like that that's pretty much taking all of the like most well-known talked stocks and putting into one etf <clears throat> to track but i actually read also that there is a bets it's called betz and it's actually a gaming industry etf and it's an open-ended fund and they actually have a little over 446 million assets under management and I think it's a really interesting ETF. I'm reading it here. They hit with they hit over a million. Uh, no, they hit over 100 million assets within the first three months of having its launch. So you you can sh- I mean it just shows how high the demand might be for this. And um, it's definitely an interesting ETF that um, I think we can see in the long run. I know Morgan Stanley. They they said that the U.S. betting market was range between six and nine billion by 2024. The value of that, and they think that it could even hit above 10 billion by 2025 so, and i think bank of america said the same thing they actually see it hitting 24 billion uh by 2030 so i mean you're you're seeing like over the next decade or two i mean this sports betting industry i think is gonna the, grow tremendously and this this etf here this um it's called the round hill sports betting and eye gambling etf bets b-e-t-z this is one of the examples with how how strong this etf grew in such a little time frame knowing that sports are coming back to normal. So it's definitely an interesting, an interesting take, Masum, and I'm glad you brought it up. But Kyle, um, we want to come back to you. Do you have uh, that statistic you were mentioning, or do you want to comment anything about the sports industry in the meantime? Yeah, yeah, I'll just comment on the sports industry. I think, you know, March Madness is right around the corner. Today is Selection Sunday, and uh, not just with Selection Sunday, but with a lot of other sporting leagues, you know, with the NHL and the uh, NFL, we saw the Super Bowl had a full audience in their stadium. Obviously, it wasn't full, but they had attendance, which we um, 
take as a sign of improvement considering we were not able to see games in the fall with attendance uh, like the NBA, for instance. So I think there's definitely going to be a lot of um, positive correlations going back to Masoom's question for sure between sports betting and, um, and games like that. So um, it'll just be interesting to see how the year pans out and um, hopefully we can see more and more attendance going forward, which I think will be beneficial for the financial markets too. Yeah. And I know we're going to kind of switch topics now. So something we don't normally do on these podcasts because it's all where we want to try to make it all uh, financial based and uh, markets based, but you mentioned March madness and we're long overdue for this. It's been two years and last year was upsetting for many people across the country, especially if you were in college because your, your college or, uh, you know, school went to the tournament for their conferences. They either won the conference or they were about to um, play their game for the conference. Next thing you know, everything's getting shut down. So I think we're going to take the next – I think we're just going to take it to the rest of the show today. We're just going to discuss with you March Madness. I mean, we're just going to kind of let loose for the rest of the show, and it's something that uh, we all look forward to. And we're, as I said, we're so overdue. So – we're just going to kind of take a step back from the market talk. I know we mentioned it was such a great week in the markets, not, not really much to discuss. Um, so we're just going to kind of transition into the March Madness talk. So uh, there's actually a March Madness tournament challenge that Kyle, I'm assuming I are heading with a group of uh, guys and us. So uh, we're definitely we're definitely trying to get all our homework and everything done before Thursday so we can just chill out and watch all the games for the, uh, for the round one. But uh, it, so far, it looks like we have – I believe we have, is it 14 automatic bids in the tournament already? And we have another, I think, five today. We have five more championships as of Sunday, the 14th. that still have to be played. And then Selection Sunday is tonight at, I think it's 6 p.m. Um, but for both of you, are there any, uh, any I guess, clear winners you think that have a chance or any sleeper picks you have? I know, I know we can't really discuss the technical aspect of the tournament yet because we don't have the actual bracket, but are there any teams that stand out to you just from a broad scope that you think uh, have a chance to win it all? Yeah, I can, I can jump in first real fast. I, um, I don't want to pick a certain team just yet, but obviously we have five championship games today, uh, conference championship games. And I, uh, I really think Ohio state might have some potential. I'm just going to throw that out there on the spot, but we just gotta wait and see how the game plays out. How about you, Masoon? I think it's going to be, um, you know, uh, it's it's a tough choice this year. Um, well, a lot of good teams are out too, like Lenovo. We've seen in the past. I'm really disappointed that Penn State isn't uh, in this year. They were last year, but uh, because of COVID, we didn't get to see that. Um, but delightful, you know, um, sight. But uh, I, I think this year it's going to be really challenging and tough. Um, I would, uh, I mean, it doesn't make sense, you know, um, technically, but um, from from my intuition, I think I'm going to go with Alabama. I like that pick. Yeah, I have them going to my Final Four. I don't have them winning, though, but I do have them going to my Final Four. I, I, the thing I like about March Madness is, I mean, we see it in the conference tournaments where it doesn't matter what seed you are in your conference tournament because anybody could win it. It's not like it's unanimous. Number one seeds have to win everything. So I think what were there like 10 number one seeds go down across the nation in conference tournaments this year. Like 
most of these teams that are going to be in it are not number ones, like out of their conference. Like I know we have the local team Drexel. They were not a number one. <laughs> like, you know, we had uh, some of the championships today. I mean, Loyola, Maryland, like a nine seed in their conference tournament championship. Like we don't see these number ones reign supreme as much. It's just, a fa- it's really up in the air for anybody. And that's the whole talk of the perfect bracket thing. You know, will every, anybody ever get a perfect bracket? If somebody's able to get a perfect bracket this year, given that uh, defending champs Virginia are out of the tournament, Kansas is out of the tournament and Duke most likely is out of the tournament. If somebody can actually get a, a perfect bracket, given the circumstances, I think uh, Warren Buffett or Bill Gates should give them like $2 billion for that. I think they should just up it because that's, that's just crazy. If you're able to get it perfect this year out of all the years, but um, well, you know, going, going off of that, that also ties into what we saw in 2018 when UMBC 16 seed upsets, number one seed, Virginia, and that was the first time ever we saw a 16 seed get a victory in the first round against a one seed. So that opens up the floodgates for an entire new conversation. Um, because before then, people would always pick the number one seed to win the games. Now, 16 seed could easily come through and win. And mm-hmm. obviously, we saw UVA come back in the following season and come in first place. But now they're out. So who knows yeah. what's going to happen? Yeah. I know you mentioned UMBC. They were the number one in their conference, and they were all obviously projected to make the tournament, and they ended up losing, like, round one in their conference tournament. So we can't even see UMBC this year. But, uh, no, I think it's a good uh, good thing. I mean, I'm excited just for the fact that you can't take any of these teams lightly. Like, even if you're a one seed, you can't take the 16s lightly anymore because you never know. Like, one bad game, and they're going to be coming out, you know, shooting – you can lose and it doesn't, you don't really look that good. Obviously if you're a one seed losing the first round, but yeah, I'm just excited for it. Um, definitely overdue. Like I mentioned, um, but some of my sleeper picks, like I was looking at Illinois, I was looking at, um, I want to say Michigan, but like, I, I don't want to say Michigan because they they lost one of their best players. And I don't really think, um, you know, they're going to go that far, but I know Villanova being the biggest local team to us with their point guard, Con Gillespie going out for the year, um, you know, obviously a big, big loss for them. They ended up losing their last two, two uh, games before they closed out the regular season, including their round one at the Big East to Georgetown, who ended up actually just winning the entire Big East is like the eighth seed, which is, as I say, crazy. So, and they're under 500 going to make the tournament. Like they just killed Creighton last night by like 20 or something. So I- I'm curious to kind of see how, what Villanova does. I mean, they're definitely one of the, the you know, best dynasties in college basketball with Jay Wright has down there in Philadelphia but yeah I don't know it's uh, gonna be interesting and then you have like these mid-major teams like Winthrop and the Iona Gales I know with Rick Pitino as their head coach they just made it in I mean not saying that they're gonna upset a number one or two seed but they're gonna be competitive so it's gonna be interesting um do any of do either one of you have um like friends that you know that are going to be betting a lot of money on this because then we're trying to all go back to the whole DraftKings and these uh the surge in the sports betting industry how, how much money do you think is going to be thrown into this uh entire thing given that we've been off for two years you think we're going to see a, a even bigger surge in some of these sports betting stocks yeah i think i'll jump in real quick i think there's definitely gonna be a massive surge you know i don't do a whole lot of sports betting myself but a lot of my friends that do you can do the parlays on like DraftKings and with the amount of games that we're going to be seeing, especially I think in the first four days between Thursday and Sunday following this week, I think we're going to be seeing a lot of people doing parlays with games like left and right. And I, uh, I just, I think there's going to be a lot of money being bet and a lot of people are going to win and lose. 
and I just hope I'm on the winning ends. <laughs> How about you, Masoom? You doing anything uh, with sports betting or no? Um, not not as much as uh, as before, actually. That which is kind of uh, strange because I I think uh, a lot of it has been uh, going into you know um, just equities. <laughs> so um, I think I'm going to stray away because I mean before um, it used to be a lot of sports betting, but now I think it's more equities because. Um, I mean, it is fun and all, but I, I think long term, you know, uh, I, I just don't think it's uh, it's viable for me. So um, I'm actually doing the opposite and not putting as much as I as I used to or as I would have normally. Makes sense. Yeah, personally, I don't I don't think I'm going to I've actually never really bet on the actual tournament. I've done maybe one pick. Um and I think last tournament, my uh, my my bracket actually ended up. Well, I was a hundred percent correct because I had Virginia, but I was near perfect, pretty much perfect up until I believe it was the Elite Eight uh, when Kentucky lost to um, who was it? I think it was uh, who did they lose to? Kentucky lost to I think it was Texas Tech. In the Elite Eight, I, I could be wrong, but Kentucky lost to somebody in the Elite Eight, and that's what pretty much broke my bracket. So the furthest I've gone where, like, I was feeling good for myself making stuff was two years ago. And I thought to myself, well, I'm never going to bet again because I was totally heartbroken when Kentucky was losing. And they lost. And I'm looking at my bracket like, you know, they were the clear favorite. And I, I would have been, you know, even in a better spot. Honestly, probably would have won more so. I don't know what I want to do this year. I might just bet some of the sleeper, like mid-major schools who are really good, potentially is like a 12-5 upset or maybe a, I don't know, like a 13-4 upset or something like that. But yeah, it's going to be, I'm, I'm really curious to see how these, uh, some of these like MGM and, and DraftKings really, how much more demand that they have and all the revenue streams. Cause they're going to really, I think in these next few weeks of March Madness, then they're going to make up a lot of their lost money that they had during the pandemic because a lot of people throw in for these tournaments and it's, it gets dangerous sometimes. I know people that have lost thousands on these tournaments before, and I know people that have 1000. So yeah, it's a very intriguing industry. Um, and as I mentioned, the ETF um, bets BETZ is another interesting ETF. So yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to kind of see what the selection show holds tonight at 6 PM. And I'm curious. I'm I'm just you know itching to fill out my bracket at this point. Long overdue, as I keep saying. Same here, David. I'm looking forward to that very much. So, I think we're gonna wrap up that part of the show, and I think we're just gonna kind of wrap up the show in general because, as I said, it really was kind of a short week in the markets. So really, nothing um, happening too much. But I'm just gonna kind of go through our biggest um, performers and our biggest decliners of the week in terms of the stocks and uh, we do this every week where we just kind of pick three that we're gaining and declining so i'm gonna just begin so we saw as i mentioned i think boeing was one of our top ones up about seven percent due to the large uh, order of their 737 maxes by 777 partners um another large another big gainer over 10 percent was nordstrom and they were actually initiated a buy now by by jeffrey's um, because of their maximization of local markets. And they actually have a really positive outlook on emerging a 50-50 split between stores and digital, as well as an off-price growth that they could return to um, 
that were that was before the pandemic. So they were a big one. And the other third one was L Brands. They were about nine percent. They raised their Q1 earnings guide, and it was pretty strong. They also announced actions to increase their shareholder value, including uh, in debt repayment, reinstating dividends, and a new $500 million buyback. And some of the, the biggest decliners for the week, the, the biggest one was Poshmark, about 20% they were down. Um, they beat their Q4 EPS and EBITDA, um, but they were well below their guided Q1 revenue. And they said that they've uh, they they have a weaker guidance due to the weather impact in some uh, different regions, and they have margin concerns on some of their higher costs. Two of the other ones we have here are GoodRx Holdings, 10.4%. They were down. They were they were good with their monthly active users, and the revenue was a little bit worse. But they did beat on their Q4s, and their consensus Q1 projections are actually supposed to be much lower. Um, due to the light cold and flu season. And then our last stock of the week that was down <clears throat> was Ulta Beauty, and it was about 8.5% in the hole. And that was due to um, they declined in their revenue and they're also their Q3 EPS projections. And analysts said that they're, um, they're very conservative on them and that their CEO might actually look to, to introduce some more like additional risk um, provisions and measures because they're really getting hit hard and with all the competition from some of the other beauty companies that are coming out. Um, so unless either one of you have a stock that you're looking at, um, I think we're just kind of, kind of wrap up the show for today and, um, you know, just, uh, make sure to fill out a bracket. I know we have some listeners. I know I saw our dashboard that are from other countries as well. So I don't even know if you, uh, are familiar with March Madness or the selection show in general, but if you are listening and you do know what that is, please fill out a bracket. It's really fun. Three of us are going to do it after tonight when the selection show happens. Um, so unless Kyle, I'm assume, uh, if, do any of you have any last second words or any, anything you want to touch on before we wrap up the show today? Yeah. Yeah, Dave, I, I just like to add, I think it'll be, it'll be uh, awesome if, uh, if our listeners, you know, um, can also get into the bracket, uh, the same bracket as us, and uh, we can make like a DKM bracket <laughs> and <laughs> kind of uh, see how it goes. If if you guys are up up for it, yeah, yeah. Um, it'd be kind of uh, I guess, hard to give them the information over the podcast. So what I'll do is, um, I have to figure out how I can share the link with them <laughs> over the podcast. <laughs> Uh, you know, I don't know really know how I would do that, but if you're listening to this and you know me personally, feel free to text me and I will just send you the link to our March Madness League. We have about, let me see, we had somebody else just join actually a couple minutes ago. So we have one, two, three, four, we have about eight people right now in and brackets, I believe close on Thursday before the play in four happens. So yeah, if you're listening to this and you know me personally, please reach out and say hey, we're doing a $5 buy-in as well. <laughs> so the more the merrier, the more we get, the more money we get. So uh, yeah, if you're interested in doing that, want to have some fun, whatever, once a year thing, definitely reach out and we could, we can get you signed up in the world league. Um, but in the meantime though, Kyle, do you have any last, uh, last words or anything? Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll echo my assume statement and, filling out a bracket i'm looking forward to seeing how the week goes and i'm looking forward to our next podcast so thanks for having us yeah definitely yeah and i think uh so we're going to do another podcast two weeks from now 
everyone. And hopefully we have some more good news about the markets. Hopefully they don't all tank. And uh, by then we'll have updates from the Federal Reserve after their FOMC meeting this week. And we'll also be two weeks in the March Madness. So we can kind of assess whether or not we're losing or we're winning. So um, so on behalf of DKM Capital, uh, the group, myself, Kyle, Masoom, uh, we wish everybody a great rest of their weekend. And go fill out your brackets and try to get it perfect. So... Again, thanks for, for listening and we will see you in two weeks.